many times have you celebrated your 39th birthday? When age 50 creeps up on us, we deny it, hide it, and do everything we can to ignore each birthday that comes after. But why? Let's celebrate our voices of experience. Whether you're passing 50, passing 60, or approaching another decade, we've got great discussions and guests to help you embrace every year you've got under your belt. If you're passing 50 or more, pull up a chair. We've got something just for you. Now, here's your host, Robin Boyd. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to Passing 50. I'm so glad you're here today. We've got such an awesome conversation ahead of us. But before we get into uh, my introducing our guest to you, I was uh, reading online and I was visiting SeniorAdvisor.com. There was an article about 10 facts about baby baby boomers. We bet you didn't know. Now, here we are. You know, we hear so much on TV and we hear so much uh, in media about baby boomers we are all here we're all there um this was kind of interesting in a sum to sum up in 10 points uh number one says baby boomers are online and in great numbers according to a google study 78 percent of us boomers are online a full one-third of all boomers online describe themselves as heavy internet users here we are we're communicating right online this is our means for for getting together once a week right here. So, yep, technology is a big one. We're all turning 65. In 2011, boomers began to hit the traditional retirement age. According to AARP, boomers will turn 65 at a rate of 10 thousand a day for the next 18 years that's a little stunning when you hear that statistic now number three they're increasingly foreign born isn't that interesting and you'll see why i'm anxious to uh, share this stat with you uh, in just a minute according to a 2014 report by the u.s census the number of boomers who live in the u.s but were born in another country is on the rise today approximately 10 million foreign-born boomers call america home number four they're thrifty we are thrifty i know uh that was kind of remnant from the generation before us when our parents had gone through um the recession and the war it says while not cheap boomers don't believe in spending money needlessly 79 percent of baby boomers believe that store brands are an excellent option instead of name brands I I agree with that. I do that when I shop. Here's one, though, that's a little more serious. Number five says baby boomers are prone to hepatitis C. While this fact isn't necessarily all that fun, it is important. According to the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, boomers are five times more likely to be infected with hepatitis C. Since hep C can sometimes take years to exhibit symptoms, boomers are encouraged to get a blood test. Put that on your to-do list. More boomers live in Maine than any other state. Well, here I am up in New Hampshire. It says boomers comprise 36.8% of Maine's total population. Next is New Hampshire, Montana, Vermont, and West Virginia. 
Number seven says, we are highly educated. Well, I thank you very much for that. At 69.6%, Colorado has the highest percent of boomers who have at least some college education. In the top 10 states where boomers have some uh, college experience, AARP reports the percentage are all over 50%. Number eight says the past three presidents are or were boomers, that's for sure. Barack Obama, George Bush, and Bill Clinton were all in that baby boom generation. Number nine says they're supporting their adult children. We have had this conversation on this show a number of times. A recent survey from the National Endowment for Financial Education found that 59% of boomer parents provide financial support for adult children ages 18 to 39. And number 10 They're not the stereotypical senior citizen. And again, another statistic I can't wait to introduce uh, our guest to you for this very reason. Many boomers are still quite active and energetic. For example, Jerry Steinfeld, Stevie Nicks, uh, and George Clooney are all baby boomers. And just because the boomer population is aging doesn't mean they're necessarily slowing down. Baby boomers are expected to heavily influence the entire world for decades to come. And therefore, let me now uh, give you a little insight on uh, the delightful uh, friend that I would love to share uh, with you today. Vivian McNanny attended London University and earned a teaching degree in child psychology and drama. Both majors were put to good use later in her life when she entered the unknown waters of homeschooling, but not before she ran her own seaside restaurant and bar in the Channel Islands, raced powerboats, moved to Spain to teach water skiing and wind sailing, and then whisked away to Texas where she finally settled down. I don't think settled down would ever be in Vivian's vocabulary, where she met and settled down with her blue-eyed cowboy. Eventually, she joined the homeschool movement while her children were still too young to object. And now, years later, Vivian continues in the tradition of homeschooling by brainstorming with her grown children about homesteading, growing vegetables, making plain yogurt, raising a cow or two, finding a starter for sourdough bread, or grappling with technology to share thoughts on her blog, on our radio program, fortunately, today, but also on her own radio program, her on toganet.com. There's not much empty in this empty nester. I want to introduce you to Vivian McNenny. Thanks for being here, Vivian. I'm so excited to chat with you. Well, thank you, Robin. I hope you can hear me. I can beautifully. Good. Good. I didn't, I don't know. Something's going on with my computer and my head, the headset won't go into it. So I'm just speaking straight at my screen. And oh, I you know, love it. technology is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I know when I first signed on to Skype today, I have to say uh, my voice sounded um, sort of something out of an alien creature. I had to sign off and sign back in again. It was it was quite alarming. So we may have our challenges with technology sometimes. You know, I think it's true when, when we hear the term empty nester, but I think our generation is probably one of the first whose nest is probably A, never empty, B, never idle. Um, And I think you're sort of the walking, being an exemplary example of that, in that you are uh, probably busier now than you ever were. And sounds like you've always been busy. 
yes, I've always been busy. And yes, I am busier now, but busier in a much different way. I don't have um, my children to think of first. So I can do what I want to do for a change, which is great. It is nice to have that different, um, not a, not necessarily priorities, but I guess so. Um, I think we were somebody else to other people all the time in our younger years. We were always mom. We were wife. We were career person. We were so many things to so many others that our own identity sort of came down at the bottom of the list and now we're able to sort of put us at the top of the list and everything else kind of flows below um and and do you find that that is um was hard to get used to yeah we were a little bit spoiled with both of our boys still living in well in dallas anyway but they would work somewhere that was really close to the house and so it wouldn't be unusual them for them to kind of pop in and have a cup of coffee bring their laundry with them that was probably the main pull the washing machine and dryer but uh You know, that, that's the kind of thing that I don't want to not have. But the thing is that that's going to happen eventually, isn't it? I mean, the, once they get married, they're not going to be wanting to pop backwards and forwards to mum and dad all the time. They have their own life like we did. No, and, and I read some blogs where, where um, parents just go off, you know, they buy an RV and off they go. They can write or do their whatever they do, you know, on the road, on their computers. And, you know, they have a grand time of it and leave their children behind. But, you know, I think as homeschoolers, we probably get a little bit closer to our children, don't we? We kind of live live in each other's lives a lot.
stay right where you are. Passing 50 will be right back after these messages. Here's some fun facts about noses and ears I'll bet you didn't know. Did you know your ears secrete more earwax when you're afraid than when you aren't? And generally, people with asthma have better hearing than those who don't. Now, here's a word for you. When someone gets their ears pierced, they're actually piercing their pinna. The pinna is the fleshy part of the earlobe. Did you know it's possible to sneeze so hard you can break a rib? That happened to my husband's secretary once. And according to research, you'll blow your nose 250 times this year. Scientists have also determined that the smell in your right nostril is more pleasant, while the smell in your left nostril is more accurate. By the way, twice as many men as women can wiggle their ears. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. A couple of minutes older, a couple of minutes wiser. We're back to a great discussion on Passing 50. I packed everything up and I was out of my office and saying goodbye to my tenure job and all the benefits without thinking of anyone but myself. And for three months, I started looking for another job, but nobody was paying me enough money. So in the end, I decided I would be better off as a stay-at-home mum. Now, you need to see my husband and I staying at home. We were at home alone, okay, because my husband worked from home. We had our two boys in public school and we had our two girls still in savings eating daycare. I'd lost my job. It was still in daycare because I still had it in the back of my mind that I was going to get another job. Finally, we grew up a little bit and dismissed our babysitter and our youngest child, who was eight months old, stayed at home with us. And I did everything with her. She would help me with laundry. She'd come, you know, she'd go running off to the store with me and all that kind of stuff. Well, she's eight months old. She's not running anywhere. She's in her little car seat. But the one thing that she really put her little foot down on was trailing her sister backwards and forwards across town to the Montessori school that I had had her in when I was working at Ticketmaster. 
She would cry the whole way there and the whole way back, and this would happen four times a day. So finally, I moved her to a Montessori school just down the road. Notice I didn't move her out of her Montessori school and home. I moved her into another Montessori school. We needed our brains examining. We were just insane. We were spending all this money and having no money coming in. So in the end, I took her out of the Montessori school and thus began my no-going-back adventure. I went from corporate executive in my Bruno Marley's to stay-at-home mother in my bare feet. So the next thing that happened was I started to volunteer a lot at the Gifted and Talented Academy that my boys were at. And then I started to look at little organized activities that we could do with the children. So I enrolled them all in gymnastics. And this is where incident number two occurred. I was at the gym using my time wisely while my kids were doing gymnastics. I was dozing while my little mobile baby was playing with Cheerios. And I looked up and I saw a well-heeled stranger just walking through the door. She looked as though she'd stepped off the pages of a Neiman Marcus catalogue. And she was flanked by her two grown children with not a diaper bag in sight. Her daughter had her hair in a perfect ballet bun and her son held the door open for her. And I thought, oh, how polite. And I adjusted the drool rag draped fashionably over my shoulder and glanced down at the floor to check on my one-year-old. And I noticed that I was wearing odd shoes. Don't you just hate that? Mind you, they were both tennis shoes and they were both white, but they were odd all the same. So I self-consciously covered one foot with the other in an attempt to hide my wardrobe faux pas. And then I heard a loud crunch and looked over in the direction of the noise to find a Pierre Cardin pump firmly entrenched in a pile of Cheerios that my daughter had been carefully stacking before eating. Someone had stepped onto my daughter's Cheerio pile and into my life, altering it forever except I didn't know that yet. So I embarrassedly hurried my children out to our waiting van, vowing to lose the draw wagon, wear matching shoes and lipstick the next time I went out in public. And in the van, my middle son informed me that the lady who had stepped into his baby sister's cheerio pile was none other than the mother of his new best friend. Oh, I thought, typical. Why do manicured nails, perfect hair and matching designer shoes not fit the mother image I portray? I reassured myself with the thought that her youngest was the same age as my oldest, and she obviously had plenty of live-in help. On further questioning, I discovered that this vision of perfect motherhood was a homeschooler. Okay, wait a minute. I've seen homeschoolers, and they're all radical religionists who wear no makeup, Birkenstocks, matching or not, and long dresses to cover their hairy legs. Their children couldn't think for themselves, are sickeningly obedient and incredibly dull because they're clever and go to university at 10 years old. Anyway, the barefooted side of me warmed to Mrs. Wellheeled as we were thrown together by our son's friendship. Over the next few months, I was able to soften my preconceived impressions of the group she belonged to as she told me how homeschool was the best school for one's children. I really didn't have a comment about that. I had two, two boys in a gifted and talented school where I reckoned no one could do a better job with their education than their well-trained teachers. Gradually, I discovered, despite homeschooling, that we had a lot in common. They, the well-heeled homeschooled family, were different, and so were we. We were already doing unconventional things like having home-cooked meals every day, 
recording favorite books onto tape so that we didn't have to read the same old stories over and over again to the children, and having at-home birthday parties with games like Pin the Tail on the Donkey, Pass the Parcel, and play rowdy soccer in, in the, uh, what is it, Back 40. That's right. My husband always said he wanted a Back 40, so we call our field a Back 40. It's probably a Back 1. Back 40 sounds better. Anyway. My life, I realized, was now being slowly altered by homeschool philosophies, and we were edging our way into a new academic year, which meant public school time for our third born. I took a long, hard look at my well-heeled friend and decided that just because we were friends, I didn't have to join her in our, her unusual lifestyle. I wasn't ready to trade my bare feet for Birkenstocks. Incident number three was when my oldest daughter failed her test. She wasn't accepted in her brother's gifted and talented academy. <sighs> My husband and I didn't relish the thought of sending her to another school, thus splitting the children up. So I decided to throw caution to the wind and dabble my oh-so-naked toes in the waters of home education, starting modestly with my oldest daughter. It was springtime and the living was getting easy. I decided to broach the subject with my husband uh, about becoming pioneers among our own inner circle of family and friends and trying something new. Okay, so that's how I kind of got the idea about homeschooling. And Does that take place in every state? Yes, absolutely. You have to. Um, I belong to a group called HSLDA, which is Homeschool Legal Defense. I see. And, yeah, they have a site. They have a website that will tell you what each state requires. And they tell you also just make sure of your state requirements before you um, before you, you know, start to homeschool. And here in Texas, mm -hmm. it's completely legal because it is considered a private school. It is considered private schooling here. And so there are there are absolutely no restrictions at all on how or where or what we teach. But in other states, they do. They, some kids still have to take, you know, the, the standardized testing. And mm -hmm. you just have to find out where that is and you can work with it. You know, you're still you're still at home. You're still teaching your children, but you might sure. have to take a few extra tests. But. I've I, I've been a substitute teacher in our district uh, years ago, which I thoroughly enjoyed. But it's true. Uh, I know our 
state at the time, I'm sure it's changed to TAD since I've been involved, but they had to have so many hours in, I guess, a given week or month, and I don't remember which, um, that they were in uh, the public school arena just, say, for physical education or music class or an, an arts um, class of some sort. They came if they needed remedial assistance. They came if they needed uh, anything of that nature. And um, so there was a certain number of hours, and I don't know what was required. But we would often have at our, uh, when we'd have an assembly, we'd have a guest come in. Stay right where you are. Passing 50 will be right back after these messages. It's marching When I was growing up in Wisconsin, no matter how frigid it was outside, my Uncle Bob never seemed to get cold. He would come in from the snow wearing a t-shirt and remark how fresh it was outside. Then again, folks from Wisconsin are a pretty hardy bunch. As America's official dairy state, the cows have been known to give ice cream instead of milk when the temperatures drop. What's a word for a giant snowball that is formed by rolling a smaller one through a field of snow? Hogamadog. Megla is an old Scots word meaning to trudge laboriously through the snow. And mufflements is an old Lancashire word for thick, warm, insulating clothes and gloves. Don't forget that you shouldn't try and send text messages if you're standing out in the cold. It can lead to typothermia. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. In today's business world, a helping hand or idea that doesn't come with an invoice is a treasured find. And if that happens to you, then you need to pay it forward to keep other entrepreneurs from making mistakes or getting a raw deal. It's called Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi. Wednesday mornings at 10, 9 a.m. Central. Josephine is going to have the guests describe their accomplishments, the lessons they've learned, both good and bad, and then sharing those pieces of knowledge as we create a movement of Paying It Forward. For more information about Josephine, her business, and background, you can go to MyMomKnowsBest.com. Josephine Girasi has always been a problem solver. She saw this need and has turned it into a movement. It's Paying It Forward. With tips, tools, and advice, and hard lessons learned, these pieces of knowledge can make a huge difference for you, your business, and others. So join us for Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi, Wednesday mornings at 10 a.m., 9 a.m. Central, on toginet.com. A couple of minutes older, a couple of minutes wiser. We're back to a great discussion on Passing 50. Passing 50. 
We're glad you're with us today. Thanks so much for joining us. This is Robin Boyd with you. And today, Vivian McNenny is my guest. I'm I'm loving chatting with you. Vivian, where were you born? Obviously, you have a, such a lovely accent, and I'm sure you get tired of people asking you that, but <laughs> I have to ask. Well, yeah, I was born actually in Hostet, West Germany. My parents were there after the war. And um, I was born on a British army base. So I am British, even though I was born in Germany. And I lived there for six years. And then uh, we came back to London and my parents traveled a lot. So I was sent um, to boarding school, which here in America is kind of like the kids when they hear I went to boarding school, they go, ooh, she was in boarding school. <laughs> and I say, no, that was a very common thing. And apparently it's common in the north, you know, northern states, more northern states of America. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, so I am um, a Brit. I'm a Londoner. London is my city. And, uh, you know, my husband and I enjoy going back there. We took the children there. They're all dual citizens. So they're as comfortable there as they are here. And uh, I love that we have a, a grandnephew, actually, who's a dual citizen. But he just joined uh, the Air Force here for the United States Air Force. And they shredded his his british passport right in front of him he said oh it was God. yeah it was a little disturbing it was a little uh, uh that was sort of like oh there but you know he certainly is very proud to serve uh uh, as as an American so uh, airman, so he, we are very proud to have him as well. Um, I, it's interesting. I'm wondering if you th if you ever throw y'all into your conversation, having been in in the South for a bit of time. Uh, did any of your husband's accent roll over to to you? I not not to me. The only time I ever say you all is is when I mean all of you. <laughs> <laughs> I want all of you are or you're all invited or you are all invited or whatever. And uh, no, I don't use the y'all except when I'm I'm joking. Yeah, I, I have I have to say it's rather a handy <laughs> expression. It does sort of it encompass a lot. It's it's wonderful. When we talk about bucket lists, Vivian, do you do you find that there are things on your bucket list that you are determined to accomplish? Well, you know, I wrote a blog about my bucket list and I thought, well, I've done an awful lot really that could go on a bucket list just yeah. in normal, just in my life. Mm -hmm. um, but I do have a few things that I, you know, when I came out here, I thought, you know what? I There's a horse farm just down the road. I walk past it every day and I would like to be as comfortable around a horse as I am around a dog. I have no idea how to approach a horse or you know, tickling it behind the ears or scratching its back or anything like that. I just don't feel that comfortable. I've never been around horses that much. So I've told the owner, I said, if ever you need any help, just, you know, just call on me. But I'm sure they need somebody that's got more experience than I do um, because she has about whew, 20 horses up there and, you know, mucking out the stables and, yeah. you know, just just that kind of thing. But I that's that's one of my things. I have a friend who belongs to the same club as me. Who flies her little plane over my property? Oh, oh she, how lovely! Yeah, she has a plane. Her husband has his own plane, and both their sons have planes. So these these people have have planes. 
And I said to my husband, I would like to go up in that little plane with her if she ever takes people. But I've not. I want to ask her face to face because I want to see her expression. I don't want her to be politely responding to me, you know, on email or text. But I would yeah. love to. I would love to do that. And um, I also said if I'm going to go and work anywhere or do anything, substitute teaching wasn't one of the things that I particularly was, you know, uppermost in my mind. But I enjoy yoga. I started doing yoga in 2010 when I first started going back to England to care for my parents. And I love it so much. that I thought, you know what, I could teach yoga, but I don't, you know, I, gosh, 500 hours or 250 hours you have to do and you have to go to these studios and that. And I thought, well, I don't know if I'm that, you know, you know, excited about teaching yoga if I have to go and do that much um, you know, training. But my daughter's little ballet school here, the little local school, have hired me to teach their youth, their, their I guess, 12 to 16-year-old. Oh, I love that. Yeah, to, to do yoga. So I actually have fulfilled that part, that, that one thing that's on my list. And um, I've been teaching yoga. So I really, really enjoy that. But, you know, it's hard work doing yoga and talking. Well, <laughs> I think it is, but you know, isn't that lovely that you've you've gotten to that, and and must be so satisfying. But it's also I'm understanding more about yoga and realizing the health benefits to it. So I think we're drilled in us that this high impact uh, exercising is what's going to burn the calories, and and it's going to get your heart pumping. But yoga has an extreme amount of health benefit to it oh it does especially when you get into the higher levels like i'll take a um it starts at a beginner and it goes level one two and three and the level threes are really tough and what makes them tough is that they're quicker they're they're more briskly paced I and see. so it's, it's not the the you know the shapes and the and and all of that aren't any harder really it's just that you do it at a faster pace and you get really out of breath just holding a pose because your head's below your heart and you know you're holding this pose and you're trying to keep your balance and you're trying to remember to breathe and then there's no rest you go straight into the next one and it's kind of there's a lot going on so yeah it's great it really is it really is good for that and it's good for kids good for little ones and I use it sometimes in my classroom when they get a little bit too rowdy I try to get them breathing and uh-huh. um, at the ballet school, I'm able to do it because, you know, fidgeting, trying to teach young people not to fidget is just the worst. You know, it's just really difficult. But when you've got yoga, you can actually tell them, well, this is the way yoga is done. If you want to do it properly, then you can't fidget. You have to stay focused on what you're doing. And, you know, that's that's a new thing for them is staying focused because their their brains just race from one thing to another. It's, you know, pretty startling what they can handle. But it is, and I wonder how much technology had as far as we've brought them up on this fast-paced, did everything is stimulus, digital, TV, uh, computers, everything is uh, in front of them rapidly. So I guess that little processor in those tiny brains have learned to do things rapidly, and therefore it's harder for them to stay focused because there's always some other stimuli right around the bend. Mm. You mentioned, yeah, you mentioned talking uh, about your parents and we've talked so many times um, in our, on our, on this show about 
being responsible for children and parents or now at this age we are uh, having to deal with uh, elder care. Is it all that much uh, harder now for you because you're here in the States and parents, do you still have both of your parents alive? No, no. During uh, from 2010 to 2013, it was Uh pretty intense. My brother lived in England but he was really, really busy with a job and his two children. He'd gone through a divorce. And so I took on the task of helping my parents from here. And, uh, you know, in practical ways, like I took over their bank account and um, mm-hmm. paid all their bills for them and would check on their health and make sure they had social workers going in and out. And then I found that I would, um, I was over there three or four times, maybe five times a year, you know, flying backwards and forwards. It was like a little taxi service, my American Airlines flight over to mm-hmm. England. And um, I would go and check on them and see how they were doing. And and uh, it was just it was just very difficult. In the final year, my husband and I decided that we would go and look after, actually move in with my mum. By this time, my father had died. We'd moved them from where they were living into an apartment in London, just half a mile from my brother, thinking, well, at least it's just half. It's not 80 yeah. miles. Right. And, um, um, we did that and we decided that we would take that year and go and stay with my mom in her apartment and take our youngest daughter with us because she had nowhere to live if we weren't there. Mm-hmm. And she, she did her final year um, in performing arts school there while we were there, which was good. And uh, my mother unfortunately died uh, four days after I arrived. But we... Oh. Yeah, we decided, though, to go ahead and do the whole year, obviously. I mean, we packed everything up out of our house, rented our house and all that kind of stuff. So we just stayed. And it was really a wonderful time for me because we were able to, um, I don't know, reconcile with what had happened. You know, in, in two quick years, I'd lost both my parents and I was surrounded by what they had gathered as their prized possessions and those decisions and they brought back memories and I spent that whole year kind of grieving and coming to terms with the fact that they were no longer there and that was wonderful it was wonderful to be able to do that and at the same time to discover or rediscover why I married my husband (laughs) oh (laughs) we were just on our own I mean we'd always had children I mean within the first nine months of our marriage or 10 months actually uh, we had a child, so we never really had much time to, you know, just be us. So it, we were isn't us. it true? I think um, there are so many times that uh, my husband and I will just say, "Oh my goodness, you know, how did we?" It, it, it's a redis. You're right. We rediscover each other because mm-hmm. you've been, as we said in the first segment, somebody else to some somebody else. You've mm-hmm. been that other role that other title and now all of a sudden you're a partner you're soulmates you're you're realizing that it's just you and me kid and that's that's a nice thing that is that's a wonderful thing what a what a beautiful way for you to have that closure uh and i know that term is used so so much but to be able to um wrap up all of those memories, all of those things. Because isn't it true? We have that moment to grieve a lost parent, but then there are the things that need to be tended to. And if you have the opportunity to take your time and 
either uh, store something for a bit or go through it at your leisure. It's so difficult when people have to uh, sell the property, move the stuff, you know, everything gets done so immediately uh, that that's often so hard. Um, so what a blessing that you had with your husband and, of course, your daughter. And and you go back, sometimes you go straight back to life. And I wrote something about, well, hang on a minute. How can this still be going on? My mom's just died, you know. Yeah, exactly. I want to pick this up on the other side, Vivian. We've got this uh, another commercial. So let's chat a little bit more about that on the other side. We're with Vivian McNenny on Passing 50 today. Um, I want to make sure everybody has your blog on the other side of the break. Let's make sure everyone has your blog, Vivian, so that people know where to read all about you. And I want to ask you on the other side of the break, what's Cod Swallop? That is, that I love that term. So stay tuned if you want to know what Cod Swallop is. Be right back. Stay right where you are. Passing 50 will be right back after these messages. Have you heard? The pages of American Patchwork and Quilting magazine come to life on our new weekly online radio show, American Patchwork and Quilting. Join Pat Sloan, our blogging and quilt designer host, as she talks about the latest trends, ideas, and inspirations. Her guests include quilt pattern designers, authors, quilt shop owners, and our editors. All quilters, just like you. Call in with your questions. Get quilting tips from industry experts. Learn about free patterns. Hear behind-the-scenes stories from our magazines, American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilt Sampler, and Quilts and More. Get the scoop on free stuff and find out more about the best independent quilt shops in North America. To listen to a live show, tune in Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Just log on to allpeoplequilt.com slash radio. To hear past shows, go to iTunes and search for American Patchwork and Quilting Radio. We hope you'll join us because we know that quilting changes everything. Why does music give us chills? Goosebumps, or the medical term peripolation, occurs while listening to music. That's because music stimulates a reward pathway in the brain, encouraging dopamine to flood the striatum, a part of the forebrain activated by addiction, reward, and motivation. Melomaniacs or passionate music lovers can get the chills from songs they are familiar with as they anticipate that long-awaited chord at the climax of the piece. Music, it seems, affects our brains the same way that chocolate gamma and potato chips do. I think I may need to stick to chocolate and potato chips because I tried piano lessons and I felt like a goose noodle. What's a word for a person who dislikes practicing the piano? A mesodactylist. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Word. Want more information or hear other shows from Passing 50? Check out our info page on beckmultimedia.com or our website, passing50.com. Now, let's get back to our discussion on Passing 50. Hello, everyone. It's Robin Boyd with you today, and Vivian McNenny is chatting with me. I love talking to you, Vivian. Um, and we're, we're talking a little bit about uh, some of the things that we've uh, done and how our lives have changed. Now you are writing a wonderful blog. And how did you come about to uh, blogging, first of all? But then tell me all about what Codswallop is. Well, Codswallop. 
actually codswallop the word came up when i was trying to trying to decide um what to call my radio show the social homeschooler <laughs> <laughs> it was, i was trying to come up with some english stuff so i came up with some of these words and i thought well they'd make good categories for a blog so codswallop means rubbish you know that's a load of codswallop you know i see it's a very much nicer way than saying bs <laughs> um, <laughs> i think anyway so that's what that means codswallop and so i put that on there because a lot of times it's just what i write is reflections on my day or my life and it started when i was in london going through that year and i just was reflecting on just all the silly things that we had to do in england that um you don't have to do here in america like waiting for a bus in the rain and um going to some going somewhere so that you can work you, you just you, you take a thing called a insurance card a work insurance card and you have to go and prove that you're british and you're qualified to work and my daughter and i had to go and do that and it was just in a sleazy part of town and you know just just things like that and i just made it fun because it was tiring it was tiresome to have to do that in the midst of everything else that you're going through you know and um and so I just write about my life and my kids like to read it because they get caught up and they love it when I write about them. And yeah. sometimes it's funny, sometimes it's not. And um, <laughs> it could be turned into a book. In fact, I did write about my experience with my mum dying and I called it Loving My Mother to Death. And I haven't had it published because it was so, it took a long, didn't take a long time. It was just pretty painful to write but I've got it all written now oh, wow. and yeah. I didn't really want to embark or start on another book so I thought well I've got all of this stuff that I yeah. want to write about so it's all there it's all now written all I have to do is kind of find a find an avenue to sure. use it <laughs> I bet it was quite cathartic for you as you were doing things physically it probably was a wonderful uh, way to sum things up in your heart yeah yeah, definitely, definitely. Do you find um, that journaling is important? It, it, blogging is a form of journaling, uh, whether you're doing it in a diary or whether you're doing it here. Um, I I think it, it it does serve a purpose. Oh, it does. And I like I've always liked to write, and I belong to a group, a writing group, and we take samples of what we've been working on that month and read and we critique each other nicely mm -hmm. we critique we critique each other but I found that over the years by practicing writing there was a point there when I was writing my book that I would write six to eight hours a day every day that's a lot of sitting down and writing yeah. and editing and coming up with the right words and sort of knitting the thing together and I find that to keep that practice up you know so my writing probably has changed a little bit I definitely have a style and it's a memoir. I cannot, I don't write fiction or other things. My husband and I will write that kind of thing together. We can mm. sit down and brainstorm a story and he can outline it and I can, you know, fill it out and, and make it into a story. But my, my, my love is, is memoir. I love reading about other people's lives. They don't have to be famous. They just have to be other normal people. I love learning about people. I'm a sociologist. I do too. So I like doing that. I like to know how people feel, how things have affected them. 
Yeah. Actually, I've been very uh, fascinated with the, the series on Netflix, um, The Crown, and that sort of uh, whole biography of Elizabeth and uh, Queen Elizabeth's younger years. And I can't wait for the next season to come out. I guess it's due in November. Do you, um, having your British heritage, have um, find it to be a, a good series or have you found it a little um, uh, less less desirable? Well, I watched some of it. I think I watched the early part. I think the person they got to play Prince Philip was absolutely fabulous. I don't know how they yeah. got yeah. his head. He's got his head right. That's perfect. And of course, she's good. Um, she's lovely, yeah. But there's nothing, really, I said to my, after about six or eight episodes, I said, well, there's nothing really here that I don't already know. Because we right. grew up, you know, we, we grew up with the royal family. They were always in the papers. There were always books about them. There was always something about them. So there really wasn't, there are no surprises, I don't think. So um, I think it's wonderful, you know, the way they've done it. Um, but we're, we watch, you know, other things at the moment. We'll go back to it. What? Yeah, yeah, I'm interested to see where uh, where the series goes. But it, it it was I was kind of wondering about it as we watched it if if the love of the series as uh, that we Americans have of it was the same across the pond. I thought John Lithgow did a wonderful Winston Churchill. I thought he oh, did very well with it. That period of time when they had that heavy fog in London. Yes. Yes. I remember that. I remember having to Do school and I had to wrap these scarves around my head because you'd come home and you'd blow your nose and it would be just black soot and oh I had my. no idea as a child that it was because of the weather and of course the the and of course all the chimneys going but it caused that heavy fog those the all the smoke and everything I had no idea that it was involved it was quite kind of linked like that so and it was political pretty political they made it yeah. political on the series but i do remember that time and i i thought oh yeah i remember that I <laughs> wow yeah do you have grandchildren vivian i don't i i say to my children well i'm not getting any younger but i don't want to watch them they'll be they'll they'll have their children when they're good and ready to have their children just like i do yeah. Mm -hmm. so, no. I do not either, and and my both uh, my daughter and my son are married, and each of them have their entities, as it probably sounds like your children may. Um, my son is a teacher, and he teaches music, and they are traveling, so as they travel, they are engaging with a lot of different groups, and they're doing some cultural enrichment uh, programs, which has been wonderful for them to see more of our country, but to uh, meet different uh, cities and in, in the population within. My daughter has been involved with Girl Scouting, as I am, uh, but also with the Red Cross, and she is is impacting our next generation. And I think, to to me, that's the our we're, what we are our family is giving to the next generation in a different way. We may not be bringing more in, but we're certainly having impact on our, our next generation, which I think is just as important. So, Well, and I think some of my children look at the world today and think, well, why? Why would you want to bring children into this violent world? Sure. And I yeah. said, well, my parents must have felt the same way. And all of our, all of the boomers, 
because it was after the Second World War. And I mean, some yeah. of them had very close ties to both those world wars, and they were both as horrific, you know, as anything that's going on today. The thing is about today is it's so immediate. You can see the news instantly everywhere. You know, this so much more bombarding you, whereas back when I was growing up, it was just if you read the newspaper and maybe had a television and could see the news, apart from that, you only knew about what was going on around you, you know, in your immediate neighborhood and, you know, life. Exactly. Exactly. It is so immediate, so transparent. Something Sometimes I almost think too transparent in that there has to be some things that are, <laughs> um, there has to be some things that are kept secret, just national security. You know, I, I think sometimes we expect every detail and we expect everything and we have to say there, there has to be a little bit of security. Uh, Vivian, where uh, I know that your websites are being revamped, <laughs> are being attended to, but where is a good place for somebody to visit to read some of uh, the blogs that we've been talking about today? All right. Um, Boomerang, as in <laughs> boomerang.org is, is the one. And from there, you can get to the Sociable Homeschooler, which has mm -hmm. all of my shows. 252 shows on there um all kinds of topics you just type in a topic and you can find somebody to, that's going to talk to you about it so i love that i love having podcasts of course i'm involved with military mom talk radio as well and um uh, we have so many shows that we have had the joy of of conversation with so many people as you have vivian and um they really do still resonate i'm glad that we still have them to go back to uh, because i'm sure that there are many young people now who uh or some of our audience whose children have uh little ones that they're considering homeschooling and i would love for them to go to the sociable homeschooler and be able to listen to some of those podcasts because such valuable information and you did have a plethora of people as guests so uh any questions that people have i'm sure what a great place to start yes absolutely absolutely Yes. Well, uh, we're getting very close to the end here, and I'm so appreciative of your time today, Vivian, because um, I think all of us uh, who are at this this uh, juncture in, in our lives, and we're starting to look ahead to some other things, um, I, I love the, the fact that you you do love your uh vegetables and your uh do you really have a cow right now do you have a cow or do you have a I farm i don't have a cow right now but we do have neighbors who have quite a quite a herd and we have bought you know a half a cow when they slaughter yeah. so we have really we we know where the meat came from we saw what they ate and we know it's good <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you so much, Vivian. Again, we want you to visit boomering.org, B-O-O-M-E-R-I-N-G.org, or the, ho the Sociable Homeschooler, and that's .com. Is that correct? Yeah, that's, that's .com. Mm -hmm. That is. Well, Vivian, thank you so much for being here. And thank you for being such an inspiration, because I think so many times we think we don't maybe – uh, don't want to try that, don't want to do it, but looking at you and reading of you and and knowing you, uh, I, I am just ready to go. There's another chapter yet to be accomplished. Yeah. So 
<laughs> Thank you for that inspiration. <laughs> Thank you so much, Robin, for inviting me. It was lovely to come back and be on the radio again after a couple oh, of years. Oh, good. I'm so glad. Well, we'll, we'll need to do this more often. So um, <laughs> we'll look forward to that. Vivian McNenny, thanks so much. And thanks to all of you for being with us today. It's always a pleasure. Be, be with you next week, we hope. Take care. Bye-bye. We're glad you spent this time with us today. Relax, passing 50 isn't so bad, and every year after can be great too. You're in good company. Passing 50 is a production of Beck Multimedia. Join us again for another great discussion right here on Passing 50.